Well, good morning and welcome to online worship with us today. My name is Megan Honig and I'm the associate pastor here on staff and I'm going to be bringing the word to you today. It's going to be from Matthew chapter 8 if you'd like to open your Bibles. But first, let's take a moment to enter into this time in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for today and the ability to worship together, um, whether, whether it be online or in person, God. We thank you for the way that you're moving in our lives and um, at Crossroads and across our community, God. Would you take this message from me today and use it to your glory to reach your people, Lord? It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I have to start with something that's a little embarrassing for me. I am afraid of the dark. Is anyone else afraid of the dark? I know that's something that like little kids are afraid of, but honestly, I am afraid of the dark. It's so creepy, and I haven't always been afraid of the dark. I can actually pinpoint it back to when it started. And I wish it could, I could say it was some cool story, like something happened to me or someone else I know, but it's actually a lot lamer and a lot more embarrassing than that. It's from a scary movie. When I was around 13, I think in middle school maybe, I watched the movie Paranormal Activity, and it changed my life for the worst. <laughs> If you've never seen Paranormal Activity, it's a movie about um, this couple who's being haunted by this ghost or demon or something that was supernatural. And over the course of the movie, the couple tries to catch the spirit on camera to figure out what it is, where it's coming from, and it just becomes more and more aggressive as the movie goes on. And to make it scarier, this movie is filmed as if it's like a home movie, like a home documentary. So it's just them like selfing their cameras and setting up cameras in their bedroom and their hallway and their living room to try and catch this thing on camera. And so when it came out, I was convinced that it was a real thing. Like someone had actually gone through this. I thought they were real people and not some just Hollywood made movie. You could not convince me that it wasn't real. And this all led to me being afraid of the dark. And I think the part of the movie that was different than any other scary movie that I had ever seen, the part that made this one different than everything else, was that it seemed real. And that there were things in this movie that actually happen in real life. I knew that demons and scary things like ghosts and spirits are real. Demons are real. And so I was afraid that it would happen to me, and therefore I was afraid of the dark. And I think the scariest concept about demons is that they seem to be uncontrollable. Like we can't control what they do or who they possess, and we don't know really what they look like or where they come from. I feel like most of us don't even know much about them. They're just scary. And in our scripture today, we actually see Jesus encounter some demons. Jesus comes across two demon-possessed men as he's passing through the region of the Gadarenes, and his interaction with them is very interesting. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. So here they are. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. 
So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. So I'm going to walk us through this text today, verse by verse, and explore it with you. So the text begins when Jesus is arriving on the scene. Verse 28 starts with, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes. So first, we can see that Jesus is arriving somewhere. He's made a trip, and he's finally at his destination. So where did he come from? If we back up, we see that this is the completion of his journey that began earlier in the chapter after he healed Peter's mother-in-law and casted out demons in Capernaum. Verse 18 says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then once Jesus and the disciples are on the boat, the big storm comes where Jesus commands the wind and the waves to be calm. So after the storm... This is the completion of that journey. So they set out from Capernaum, crossed the Sea of Galilee, over to the region of the Gadarenes. And one thing about this journey that might be important for us to note is that this journey they made is from a city that was mostly Jewish to one that was mostly Gentile, meaning not Jewish. So Jesus and his disciples have arrived in a land that may not be receptive to him. So continuing with verse 28. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that none could pass that way. So Jesus and his disciples arrive on the scene after this long journey, and they encounter the welcoming committee of the Gadarenes, two violent demon-possessed men. What a welcome. I'm sure they were so pleased to see them. I'm sure they appreciated the hospitality, but really, this must have been terrifying to run into as soon as you get there. Two men were so possessed, so deeply possessed, and so violent that no one could even walk near them. Demons have overtaken the men completely and have taken them out onto the edge of the town to suffer as two possessed beings. This brings us to our first point that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We can tell from this verse that Satan, the evil one, the enemy, the devil, whatever you want to call him, is in these men. It was known in the whole region that these men were possessed, and you can tell they were violent. They were not normal people. In John 10.10, Jesus describes the difference between Satan and himself. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. And we see evidence of that here. Satan has made a wreck of these two men's lives. He has stolen them from their homes and their families. He has stolen their peace and their sanity. He has cut them off from community and doomed them into isolation on the edge of the town and near the tombs. And not only that, But they are also so violent that no one can even come close to them. Satan has not only ruined these two men's lives, but seeks to hurt anyone who even comes near him. This is Satan's legacy. This is what he does, and this is all he does. This is what the world would look like if Satan had complete charge instead of God. 
it would just be constant destruction and death. We see an example of what that would look like here. So this is the first thing we know. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now that Jesus and the disciples have stumbled across these possessed men, they begin to speak to Jesus. This is the verse um, 29, and this is from the possessed men. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? So the first thing that I noticed about this was how the men referred to Jesus. They called him son of God. The demons know who Jesus is. They recognized him. They know that he is the son of God, the Messiah, the king of all kings. They recognize him. And I find it interesting because even though Satan despises God and wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God does, he knows that God is real. He knows well that Jesus is the son of God. But on the other hand, whenever we see people opposing Jesus in scripture, it's because they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. When people in scripture oppose Jesus, it's usually because they think he's fake. They don't think that he's the son of God sent to earth to save us from our sins. And Jesus is rejected and mocked over and over um, through his entire life about this. And even when he died, his cross mockingly and sarcastically read, Jesus, King of the Jews. So Jesus' earthly oppressors reject that Jesus is the Son of God, but these demons affirm it. They know who he is, and they aren't denying it. And what's ironic here is just two verses back, the disciples were in the boat, and after Jesus had calmed the storm, they asked, What kind of man is this? They don't even really know that Jesus is the Son of God. And now the demons are answering their question for them. What the disciples debated, the demons proclaim. The demons know who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. And this is the second thing we know. Satan knows that Jesus is God. And so continuing in verse 29. The men say to Jesus, What do you want with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? So the other thing that the demons reveal here is that they know that their time is short. By saying, before the appointed time, the demons reveal that they know that Jesus will die, resurrect, and one day return to destroy evil and Satan. They know that their time is coming. They know that one day they will no longer exist because they know the power of Jesus, that he will one day return to redeem the world and cast out Satan permanently. They know of the promised return of Christ before it even happens. They know that Jesus will one day win it all. They know that he has power over evil and death. The demons know why Jesus is here, both in the Gadarenes and in earth in general. 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that's why Jesus came to earth, not only to save us, but to destroy the work of Satan. Satan and his demons know that judgment is coming, that there is an appointed time for it. That's why we read in Revelation 12, 12, Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. 
He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When Jesus comes back, he will bring the kingdom of God in its fullness, and Satan and all his demons will be judged. There is an appointed time for the coming judgment, and Satan knows it. So this is the third thing we know. Satan knows his time is short. So continuing in verses 30 and 31. Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. So there's a herd of pigs feeding nearby, and the demons asked to be sent into them. But the part that stood out to me the most in this verse was the word, if. The demon said, if you drive us out, not if you can drive us out, but just if. The demons know full well that Jesus has the power and ability to drive them out, and that he probably will. They know that Jesus wants restoration, that he wants them driven out of the men. Satan knows that this is what Jesus does. Again, 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that's just what Jesus wants to do here, to destroy the devil's work. Satan knows that Jesus is going to pull the rug out from whatever he has planned. He knows that he's going to be casted out. Satan doesn't even put up a fight here because he knows it's useless. Instead, he resorts to begging Jesus to drive them into some pigs. He basically says, look, man, I know you're going to drive me out of these guys. Can I at least go into those pigs? And Satan knows that he has no power over Jesus at all. And Jesus tells the disciples this in John 14, right before he goes to the cross. In John 14, 30 through 31, he says, I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of the world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. When Jesus tells his disciples that Satan has no hold on him, he's saying, he has nothing on me. Jesus went to the cross not because Satan had any power over Christ, but because Jesus loves the Father and does exactly what the Father commands of him. The cross was God's idea, not Satan's. In the great struggle between Jesus and Satan, there is no contest. Jesus always wins. And this is our fourth idea. Satan has no power over Christ. So the demons have begged Jesus to send them into the pigs, the herd of pigs that is nearby. So here we continue in verse 32. He said to them, go. And so they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. So here we watch as Satan obeys Jesus' commands. The demons begged Jesus to send them into the pigs, and as soon as Jesus said, go, they went. At that point, they had no choice in the matter. They had to go. It was automatic. Notice how Jesus just says the word and they go. The demons shouted at Jesus, yet Jesus just simply speaks to them. This is the fifth thing we know. Satan obeys Jesus' commands. Satan has no choice, no other option, than to bow down and obey the commands of Jesus. At his name, they fear and they listen. So at this point, I know what you're all thinking. 
what's up with the pigs? <laughs> Why didn't Jesus just cast the demons out and leave the pigs alone? What was the point of that? But some believe that Jesus meant for this to be a visual demonstration of his power. The story is also found in the Gospel of Mark, and in that version it tells us that there were about 2,000 pigs in this herd. And so this shows the great number of demons that were driven out of these men. It's one thing to drive out one demon, and trust me, even one demon is far greater than you or an I could ever muster. But it's another thing to drive out thousands of demons with a simple command. This is an amazing display of God's power. And this is just a preview of what's to come, a prelude of what will happen when Christ returns in final victory. When Jesus comes back, he will bring the kingdom in its fullness, and at the same time, Satan's power will be completely destroyed. There will be no more hurt, no more evil, no more demons, no more Satan. So by Jesus casting out the demons here and killing them through the sacrifice of the pigs, we know that Satan's destiny is death, and it is sure. So finally, we come to verses 33 and 34. Those tending the pigs ran off and went down into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to, to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. So people have witnessed and heard what Jesus did for these men and to those pigs, and they didn't like it. Remember that the people in this region are mostly Gentiles, and they don't follow God anyway. So they probably thought Jesus was dangerous or that he was using sorcery or magic or something, and they didn't want that in their town. They were freaked out and wanted Jesus to leave, especially before they killed any more of their livestock. So from this story, we know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will do anything to bring us down and to take us away from God. However, we know that Satan knows that Jesus is God. He knows that God is powerful, and Satan also knows that his time is short. He knows that one day he will be permanently destroyed by Christ in his final victory. We know that Satan has no power over Christ. Satan knows there is no competition with Jesus. He knows Jesus will always win. And we know that Satan obeys Jesus' commands. When Jesus tells Satan to do something, he does it, and he has no choice. Satan fears the name of Jesus. We serve a supernatural God, one that is powerful over sin and evil and death. He's powerful over Satan himself. Jesus is powerful over demons and anything else that can come to attack you. And while I hope you don't have demons like the men in this story do, I know we all struggle with attacks and jabs from the enemy. We can see Satan taunting us with things like anxiety, depression, or addiction. And while those things may not be directly demon-related, we know that these things are not of God. God doesn't want us to suffer under the grip that anxiety holds us in. Jesus desires to release us from the power of our own demons. Jesus has the power over death and sin and evil. So if you have something today that you're struggling with, something that has a grip on you, 
I want to invite you today to ask Jesus to release that burden from you, to ask him for your help. Say, God, I want your help. Ask Jesus for it. Jesus wants to cast these things out of us, and he can because he is powerful. Powerful enough to raise people from the dead, powerful enough to calm the wind and the waves, and he's powerful enough to drive out thousands of demons with just one word. So when you're struggling, when you feel like you've been beaten down by the enemy, know that Satan is no match for Jesus. You can call on your Savior at any time, and he'll be there to defend you and rescue you. He is powerful to cast out any demon. Jesus is powerful. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you um, for the way that your son came to die on the cross from us, God. We thank you that one day he will come back to save the world, to save us from the enemy, to save us from sin and evil. And Lord, we don't know when that day is coming, and it might be a long time from now. We are so thankful that you are here with us now. You're here with us today in this moment to help remove things from us, help remove our demons that are keeping us from living a fulfilled and fruitful life with you, Lord. So as we go from this place today, as we go out into the world, remind us that you are so evidently close with us, God. Remind us that you can take away anything that we ask. It might take some work, and you might ask some things of us. But God, we know that we can trust you in your plan, Lord. So go with us today, knowing confidently that Jesus can do all that we ask or imagine because he is powerful. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.